Doo-doo. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson, and this is The Road Taken, and I'm sitting here with my wing woman, Louise Palanker. Thank you for having me, Vicki. <laughs> and behind the camera tonight is uh, Harry Abelson. My favorite. Uh, thank you so Hi. much for doing this, Harry. Hi. Uh, mommy, mommy, we're going to have to do that one day. You know that, what, what, what is that from? Family Guy. From Family Guy. There's this thing where he, is his name Stewie? I think his name is Stewie. Ryan he, is the dog. But, but yeah, but no, not the dog. Oh, no, you're right. Stewie, right? And he goes, mommy, mommy, mommy. So Harry, Harry always sends that to me and we laugh. We laugh. <laughs> we laugh. We do. Okay, so before we get started, this is, we are started. But I just want to give a shout out to uh, Rick Smokey of Quick Impressions in Chicago. My favorite printer on the planet. They do uh, this and they do things like this and they do things like this, my bookmarks, and my business cards, you know which we are do? two-sided. Because we always hold up the same things. I know. We should get Rick Smokey to make us other things. So, that's right. So, Rick's already on it. Okay. There's, there's surprises in store. So, he's just been really busy. He's had, like, all this uh, turnover. But And he's also busy because people from The Road Taken are placing orders. And what happens when they do that? They get this big freaking discount. Right. If they say the road taken, or they say Louise, or they say Vicky, Rick takes great care of everybody anyway, but he takes even better care of friends of ours. Louise's promo name? Louise is a promo name. Oh. Yes, Louise is a promo name. So, and also, uh, a shout out to our sponsor, Nicole Venables, who is my tresser and is a celebrity tresser. And Nicole is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I, I really need to go see her badly because I'm starting to not be able to see out from my I eyes. I cut my own bangs. Don't tell. Do you, you know, well, I've been I think Nicole actually encouraged me to kind of do that when I okay. needed to do that. I think it's okay to do that. Yeah. Um, as long as you don't like, well, anyway. Well, but it anyway. makes me a better driver. <laughs> Nicole is, is fantastic. And she's got a salon in Studio City called uh, the Ruby Begonia Salon. salon, And uh, she's terrific. So if you're in L.A., Nicole's your woman. And also, I want to give a shout out to Cotter Creatives. Cotter is the one who taught me so much about um, how to build my... Uh, Facebook was kind of the thing that I've been cultivating for years, but she helped me so much with Twitter mm -hmm. and with Instagram, and my numbers went from Louise is stifling a cough because she's not going to get me sick cough that way. Um, she... Uh, my Twitter literally went from uh, like 5,000 people to 25,000 because Cotter kind of directed me. Um, his name is actually Dylan, but it's Cotter Creators is his company. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so if you're interested in that, I'll have the link on my thing. What I wanted to talk about tonight is um, I've had this really weird, well, one thing is this weekend is NAM. And for those of you who don't know, it's the, the Music Merchants uh, Convention, and it's this huge thing that happens in Anaheim once a year. And it, it is just rock boys on parade. And a few rock girls. Not enough rock girls represented. I did see Lita Ford there a couple years ago. Not nearly enough rock girls, but a lot of rock boys on parade. And it's a lot of the guys that I booked back in the day. And... Um, a lot of our friends now that have just been on the show, Steve Postel will be down there and he'll be playing with Danny Korchmar and, and uh, Jeff Pivar is going to be playing. And, and today I reconnected with um, Larry, um, I, with Larry Mitchell, who is an extraordinary guitar player. Um, he's had a ton of solo albums. He's a producer. He also uh, toured with uh, Tracy Chapman, a bunch of people. But I knew Larry when he was just a kid on Bleecker Street. And I hadn't been in touch with him in almost 30 years. We reconnected today. I'm going to see him at NAMM. I'm excited. Andy Grammer's doing a show down there. Where are you going? 
I'm going on Saturday. Ooh. I'm going for the whole day and evening. And uh, yeah. Venice, who have you? Do you know who Venice is? Mm. Oh, the band. Yeah. Yes. Do you love them? Venice. They're. It's like insane how good they are. So, so I was like Venice ignorant. Oh my god. And a couple of years ago, some uh, Kathy Goodman said, "Oh, let's go see Venice," and I got caught up watching. Um, uh, Three Dog Night and stuff instead. Uh, no, well, if you're a big harmony freak like me, Venice is the deal. And they sing a lot with David Crosby. Yeah. Anyway, so the bass player, Mark Harris, become a friend, so I'm going to go see Venice play on, okay. on Saturday night and uh, see Larry Mitchell play. It's, I'm really looking forward to it. But what I, 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 so I'm having like this epidural on Friday in my back. Are you pregnant again? I'm not that kind of epidural. It's because of my car accident. And so I got hit from two cars. But if you're going to go through like a whole epidural, the least they can do is hand you a baby. <laughs> I don't want to. No, I love my babies, but enough with the babies. My babies are grown and that's really wonderful for okay. me. All right. It's the perfect thing. Now they're, now they're people. They're so the bonus is people. epidural, no baby. It's epidural, you... no, it's no baby, right. it's, but I, I have to do a general anesthesia, it's like this whole trippy thing. But meanwhile, my whole health's been like completely wacky. I all of a sudden developed, I, I'm very um, chemical sensitive for the last few years, mm -hmm. so all kinds of products, I, I'm like really limited what I can use. But all of a sudden, I just started getting really itchy, my eyes all swollen, I've just been a mess. And uh, the acupuncturist, Mason, took really good care of me, and today's the first day that my eyes are open, but I already can feel my skin crawling. But last night, Harry and I are watching uh, I, Tanya, which, by the way, if you haven't seen I, Tanya, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Loved it. Harry, did you love it? I did. Margot Robbie, amazing. And Allison Janney won two awards. Amazing. Um, but anyway, I started to have pain in my shoulder and in my left arm, and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so old. I'm having a heart attack. I'm, I, this, this is like what... So I'm looking up online what those symptoms Don't mean. ever do that. Right? So all of a sudden, now I'm getting... So I'm telling Harry, Harry, do me a favor. Check on me in the morning before you go to work. <laughs> you know, I don't tell him why. So now I'm freaking him out, right? That like, And I don't tell him. It's like... So I'm like, oh my God, am I having like a heart... No, I like pulled my arm out the night before or something. But anyway, I'm old. And um, I'm falling apart. And so then my G drive goes down. My phone, the battery won't last more than an hour. I'm telling you, life is rough over Can here. Can I just give some simple advice? Yes. Checking your symptoms online will give you a heart attack. <laughs> yes, it will. Go yes, to it the doctor. Get diagnosed. No, I did just or sit it out for yeah, a or, little bit. Or, and But then I had indigestion, but it's because we ate these breakfast burritos. But I'm also doing like this protein shake thing, one meal a day. I'm doing all this crap. But... My point is, for all of this, is that I woke up in a really weird mood. All this stuff was going on yesterday. Health stuff, technical stuff, and I woke up in a really kind of not wonderful mood, like a general malaise. Mm. And I had a choice. I could stay in that place, or I could try to use my tools, because I have a lot of tools. Okay. Been to a lot of meetings, have had a lot of therapy, have a <laughs> life coach, have all, mm -hmm. all these tools, or I could use my tools to feel better. Okay. And today was one of those days when I chose not to use my tools and just be in my malaise. Oh. And I did that because... Good thing you have the Kleenex box. Because I'm, because I'm an idiot. No, I did it because some days I just have to be in... So I did my work in my sort of malaise. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and what was really weird was that yesterday I worked with a client. I worked with one of the women who write individually and had like 
the most fantastic, uh, life-affirming session with her, mm -hmm. which she, I was able to give her a few things to do, which she did right after, which have like opened up a whole bunch of doors for her. And there's nothing that is more thrilling for me than being able to help somebody. That it's except being able to help myself, but that's a <laughs> no. You know what I mean. Of course. But anyway, so today I made a, I I made the alternative choice that I usually don't choose to make, which was to be in the malaise. And then, but because I knew that we were doing the show tonight. Mm -hmm. And I knew no matter what, when it came time for this, I was gonna be in a great mood, because I love this. This is something that we do, that this makes me hap as happy as anything that I do. And I don't do that other thing, so that's why. If I did the other thing more, that would be my favorite thing. But anyway, um, but then I decided a couple of hours ago that it wasn't fair to wait until our guest showed up and you showed up for me to get in a good mood. Mm -hmm. I, I decided it was time to get over myself. Mm -hmm. So I got up and I went for a speed walk and I listened to Deepak and Oprah while I was doing it. And okay. Oprah, I have to kind of speed through a little bit. I, I want to get to Deepak. Speed walk, speed Oprah. Speed walk, speed Oprah. So I got to the Deepak thing and listened to a meditation and I have to tell you, it worked. Between the walking, the fresh air, the Deepak, I was great in like 30 seconds. I felt differently. Wow. Yeah, it just lifted. And I was reminded that that's all I really have to do is use my tools. Yeah, there's also and that one Justin Timberlake song that will... <laughs> there's many, which one? Because we're listening to the new ones now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there's just this, this one where you just can't not... She smile. loves Senorita. Oh, I love okay. Senorita and I also love... I'm sexy back. I love sexy back. I can't not yeah. dance when I hear sexy it back. Works. And yeah, Justin Timberlake works. Bruno Mars works. There, oh, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things Uptown that funk. Uptown funk. Yeah, there's no way girls just want to have fun. I don't want to have fun. I want to have fun. Speedwalk, Oprah, Deepak, walking, and um, dancing. Just dancing. Yeah. Dancing is wonderful. And but all of that comes down to to what this show is about. Uh -huh. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, because Lydia Cornell is our guest tonight, and so I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of Lydia's fans checking, the, checking out the show tonight. She is lovely. She is so <laughs> lovely. Lydia, oh Lydia, my encyclopedia. Oh. Sorry, I can never not think of that song when I say Lydia. But um, The Road Taken, the purpose for this show, Celebrity Maps of Success, is to help all of us Call the tools of the people who are who guessed with us. Mm -hmm. How they did what they did. What did they do to become successful? To merge creativity and commerce? Because everybody that's that's guests on this show has had creative success. Mm -hmm. Not only creative success, but they've had financial success to go with it, which is the kind of piece that I still am cultivating. And um, I know some of you out there are as well. And it's not just a, an infomercial for success. It's also fun. We have fun. So anyway, so I thought of Lydia because I was making a protein drink uh, for myself this morning. And I read that Lydia has a very similar recipe to mine. So we're going to have to, when Lydia comes out, we're going to have to discuss our various, because uh, we both use vanilla protein powder and, and blueberries and banana. And, but Lydia does it with milk. I use water. Okay. Um, so we're going to discuss the difference. In, no, I don't see not. how you're going to get along. <laughs> oh, right? We won't. But, but Lydia Cornell, for any of you who don't know Too Close to Comfort, oh, please, were you saying you were on a page? On, I was a page at, at a, um, a neighboring Come. stage on the Metro Media lot. I was a page for all the, Norman the, all the Norman Lear sitcoms 
and Too Close for Comfort, I don't... Who was your producer? Artie Sultan, Don Tapner, Three's right. Company. So they were the stage near the loading dock where, right. I, where I went to make popcorn. Because okay. um, <laughs> you, so, you had a very glamorous job. Yeah, <laughs> and so we both looked very familiar to each other. Yeah. Because yeah. you probably saw each other on the lot. Yeah, I'm sure we did. And speaking of Norman Lear, mm -hmm. uh, this coming Tuesday, the date is January 30th, uh, Peter Tolan, uh, mm -hmm. Rescue Me, uh, The Gary Shandling Show, I mean, show, show creator of... Two of my favorite shows of all time, those both being, and he has many others he wrote on Murphy Brown. They're bringing back Murphy Brown. I yeah. just read that today. So exciting. Um, that's crazy. Um, but anyway, Peter is doing uh, a sitcom with Norman Lear right now that just cast Holland Taylor and uh, Hector Elizondo. Mm. And it's called, uh, um, oh, with the, oh, God. Anyway, um, we we'll, we'll know on it. Tuesday. Oh, okay. And uh, something about dying. Um, it's about a retirement. It's about a retirement yeah. community. And Norman told us about it when he was here years ago, and yeah. he couldn't get it greenlit. And now it's not only greenlit; it's it's in pre-production. So that's really exciting. So Peter will be here on Tuesday, and we'll be live <laughs> on the Facebook at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And also here that day, Gregory Harrison. Really, we love Gregory. Oh, Gregory so dreamy. Gre he's dreamy and smart and talented, and he's evolved. He is so evolved, yeah. and uh, and uh, Peter is hysterically funny, um, and and then there's going to be Patrick Joseph, who has two first names, but he's incredibly adorable and a wonderful singer-songwriter, so uh, come back on, on Tuesday. But anyway, in the meantime, let me talk, talk to you a little bit about Lydia. So we know about Too Close to Comfort. She also won an award for directing, and I just want to say um, I'm really proud of her for doing that, and she wants to do more of it, and I'm excited about it. Greta Gerwig, right on, Mama! Uh, only the fifth woman in history to be nominated for a directing Oscar. I, uh, Samantha and I got to see a screening of Lady Bird where uh, Greta uh, spoke, and uh, she's amazing. And she's a triple threat, she's an actress, she's a writer, she wrote it, she directed it, she's quite brilliant, mm -hmm. and uh, it's pretty exciting. And Lydia is brilliant also. Yes. I met Lydia, um, oh my God, we had been Facebook friends, because our mutual friend Hubert O'Hearn, hi Hubert, connected us because he thought we would have sim that we had similar sensibilities. He thought we'd like each other. We have similar outfits. We also have similar outfits. Yeah. Um, we have similar compulsions and <laughs> obsessions as well, which we'll talk about. Um, but anyway, we met on election night. That election mm -hmm. night, and we were at this party of all comedians. You have never seen a more depressed group of comedians in you. It was, it, it was. We couldn't even. We started out all bubbly and social and excited to meet each other, and looking at the 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 map and uh, the colors on the map very quickly, um, that all shifted, and uh, that was really um, yeah. So it tainted things. Mm -hmm. um, but Lydia came back and she was a guest at Women's Mind. She was fantastic. It, it almost exactly a year ago now. Um, okay, so let's read some more about Lydia. She's a children's advocate, a woman's advocate, a teen mentor, a film director, inventor, mother, blogger, comedian, talk show host, inspirational public speaker. Um, she's written, produced, and directed several indie films. As a director, she was honored by the Los Angeles Movie Awards just, just recently, 2016, for directing the SAG indie It's My Decision, for which she also received Best Comedy Film. That's really fabulous. She's a recipient of the Southern California Motion Picture Council's 
Golden Halo Lifetime Achievement Award. That's pretty damn nice. I never sit and read people's credits, but these are pretty cool. Yeah. She's got, she's written, um, uh, um, let's see. She writes for the Huffington Post. That's all gotten weird lately. The Lone Star, I, but where are your books? Wait, wait, wait. She, um, Falling Off, deals with catastrophic loss, grief, bankruptcy, depression, and um, addiction. And she also has written my brain in my bra, which is being made into a television show right now. And in fact, tonight when she leaves here, she's going to do a reading of another project. Larry Gilhart's son is um, doing something that we're gonna hear about. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm, I'm thrilled that she's here. She's gorgeous, she's smart, she's talented, she's funny, and, um, and she's lovely. So ladies Aww. and gents, help me welcome the lovely Lydia for now. Thank you, Vicky. I love this one. Intro. Okay, so come. Hi, Louise. Okay. So you can have that back. Oh, wait. Let me just check. I never checked our orientation. Thank you, Harry. I'm assuming our, our orientation is correct. We're good. Are we? Okay. Oh, hot face, Harry. So you can have it back. Okay. Oh, this is great. So, all right. So let me get, I, I want to get my screen back because if anybody has questions for you, I want to be able to, I never like look. Oh, I want to say I that. I love this. Peter Warren told me to give you a hug for him. I love Peter Warren. Peter, yes. hi, you get your shout out. So anybody else who's looking for that shout out, um, you have to, um, ooh. No, no, now the sound is on. We don't want the sound. No, so how do we stop that? Stop. <laughs> what I love about Vicky, so this is she so is slick. a creative artist in process. Oh, I, am, I am so in process. I love you. All right, so that's, that's not gonna work. So we have to shift that. Okay, so Lydia, we can't both be on our. I'm trying to be on my screen. I'm not. I'm not going to do the internet. Okay, because what I'll I turn internet off. No, what I never do or hardly ever is look to see what the people want to ask. I'm just using this as a so, good lighting tray. This is my good lighting tray. So wait, I have, I have to say something before we move on. Go. I don't want Vicky looking back on this with regret, but the the. the oh, all right. See, see, this keeps I happening. If I try to look at the comments, give, that's give not going to work with this thing. Give it to me for a second. Why? I'll turn the sound off. Here, I'll cover this. Oh. Up. Thank you. There's a couple of problems. Yes. There. What's the problems? Yeah, the, the, that the light. The lantern is, is reflecting in the in the painting behind her. Yeah, you have to, we have to turn it off. Lydia's going to have to stop this. <laughs> I'm bullying Lydia. Louise I'm bullying, got it. I'm bullying my guest. All right. Aww. All right. Louise got it, but it, but she didn't, Harry didn't tell us that it was shining obnoxiously. But I think you can put a light in front of your laptop there. Okay. That wouldn't. That would. Anyway, know. the point yes. is, I'm okay. here. I'm thrilled to be here, yeah. and I love this area that you. Oh my but gosh. I'm looking at the comments to see if anybody's saying are anything to you. Are we on right now? We are on. All right, everybody's saying hi. No, Louise, it didn't make the sound go down no, because you haven't given it to me. I muted it. Okay, now it is. Okay, it's it's down. It's gone. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. So Lydia, we have to stop. No, she has this light shining okay. now. No, no, That's because okay. it's it's going to give me she a said migraine. It was okay. It's not right, like that. All right. That or that, either okay. way. Okay. All right. So. Okay. Hi. Hi, Lydia. Hi. All right. So let's talk about our protein shakes first. So why why do you put milk in? Because I was told to do water if you're using protein powder. Why or not? almond milk. Almond milk is good. But why are you doing milk at all? Because mine says add water. So I'm like, why am I going to put milk because in? Because my care my okay right now I'm taking care of my parents, and every morning I watch the caregiver make an incredible shake, a milkshake with co cocoa chips and cacao oh, nibs yeah. and. and 
all sorts of delicious powders and, and it's like a milkshake. And so I'm craving an island's milkshake. Okay. And so every now and then I go, a little milk protein wouldn't be bad. Okay. No, 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 no. No. And, and it's good. I just, I'm on this crazy thing that I've cheated on every single day so far except for two. But you're supposed to do one day of just protein shakes with, and then, then every other day, you do, every day other than that, you do a protein shake and then you eat one meal. God, so you're on a real diet. You're no, I've been cheating on it every single day. Like we all do. Except yeah. two days that at the beginning I did it correctly. I, you know, it's like I'm not going to lose. If it's going to take. What kind of meals that. are you eating? So, trying to be healthy in those in the meals. I have two tablespoons of Oprah. Isn't this interesting? Two I have two tablespoons of Oprah. Of Oprah. <laughs> I have two tablespoons of Oprah every morning. I have two tablespoons of Oprah in every morning. Oh, Oprah. And uh, we're, we're giving you our health tips. This is and, adorable. And since uh, I don't, I'm not healthy. And as I told you before, I thought I was having a heart attack yesterday. And I also want to lose a gazillion pounds. You don't need to. Don't, you actually yeah. are perfect. Yeah, well, you're... Stop it. No, really, Don't patronize me. We, we're women. We're supposed to have curves. So, we're not supposed to be, you know, teenage wombless, buttless mutants. Okay, but wait. Bubble butt mutants. All right, but yeah. wait. Lydia is has her phone light on. So we have to it's talk good about lighting, we, no, it's okay, we have to listen. We have to talk about this yes. because here we are. We're two fairly intelligent, creative, resourceful, modern, evolved women in recovery, no less. That's true. We both are. How many, How many years? years? I have twenty-three. Oh wow. I have fifteen. That's fantastic. Oh, yes. Mm. Mutual admiration society. It's amazing. I wouldn't be here without that. I Me would either. be dead. Yeah. Without I quit drugs and alcohol 23 years ago. My son is 23. He's six months older than I am. <laughs> because <laughs> I quit drinking six months after he was born. Wow. That's I had so a catastrophic spiritual awakening. So it's it's the best thing I ever did. You know the moment you had the spiritual awakening? I had a series of actual spine tingling. The Earth movie, it was one of those catastrophic big event things that happen in the big book that you read about. Can you, can and they're you called God shots. Can you, know? you describe one? Do you, is there one you can talk about? That's so fascinating to me. I will mine tell you a little later. Subtle. I'll tell you a little later. Mine okay. were so big, and, and I guess the, the universe speaks to me through comedy and coincidence. And these are, super, these are coincidences that leave you no doubt that it, there's a higher power. And I think the higher power is really within us, and I think it's love. And it's this this force of love that creates all the beauty in the universe. But I had these things, I call them God shots, small mm -hmm. G, not religious, of catastrophic... Oh no, come on, you gotta give miracles. us... Miracles! You, you, you gotta give us one now that we're here. Well, the big one... Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of them. Okay. But we're gonna finish the shake first, we're gonna do this. Okay, we'll talk about yeah. this. It's, it's, this is very raw for me. I've never shared this out loud in a oh, crowd that wasn't... Recovery. Recovery. Okay. Um, all my life, growing up, I resented my mother mm -hmm. for giving away my Barbies. She gave away the Barbie Ken Midge, the original dream house. Mine too? Oh my so god, that's weird. You know what the name of my book is. What? Don't Jump, Sex, oh, yes. Drugs, Rock, and Roll, My Fucking Mother. I love your book. Yeah, okay, so yes, my mother yeah. gave my stuff away too, so I, I hear you. Okay, so I, I went through my, I whole my whole childhood with a very, my mother was afraid of long hair, she thought it was too sexual. My, I didn't she have long caught hair caught me on the phone in bed with a, you know, on the phone with my gay friend Monroe in high school, and she said, you're on, on the phone in bed with a boy? You know, she was extremely scared of sex. Oh, not my, no, okay, I didn't and have she that. Put, <laughs> okay, yeah. And very straight and very, very, um... Hard to deal with. 
Okay. This is really hard to talk about, but I wasn't planning on talking about this. But um, it was she was. We we just thought she was kind of difficult until we found out later she was bipolar. I never uh, knew this until two years ago. How did she She's get diagnosed? She's eighty-nine now. How did she get diagnosed? Just by us forcing her into a place where she would live with assisted living, and finally they realized she did. She wouldn't uh, believe us. We couldn't get her any diagnosis earlier. Uh, but anyway, my whole life I lived with my mom mm -hmm. and my father, who was a Russian violinist, wow. who grew up in Shanghai. What? what? Wait, what? Grew up in Shanghai and came to America and played in the Hollywood Bowl, the violin. Wow. In the movie industry. Wow. Is and that how you got into showbiz? No, not no. at all. No. Okay. We moved to El Paso, Texas, where I learned Spanish fluently. I was born in El Paso. Yo vivía paso de Jacinto Juárez, acá aprendí español desde niña edad de doce. I'm just showing you. Wait till you were little, till you were twelve. Yeah. Ah, see, because I understand a poquito español. Very okay. good. Yeah. But anyway, to make a long story short, my mother. I can't get into all the stories. No, no, you don't she, have to. I go away to college and I say, yeah. whatever you do, mom, never give away my Barbies. They're going to be worth a fortune. Oh, you day. got to keep them until you were going away to college. Mine were gone when I was not. Anyway, yeah, go oh, ahead. Wow. Yeah. Nine? It's like little girl. They were gone. Everything was the dream house, everything. They gone. wouldn't allow me to have the Barbie because Barbie and she caught me having them kiss. Ken and Barbie kissing. <laughs> but anyway, so I. I hid them in the attic in Scarsdale, New York. We moved from El Paso to Scarsdale. That was that's a culture quite a, shock. That's quite a shift right And there. I wanted to be Jewish. I wanted to be a Jewish male comic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to talk about the career aspirations. Okay, so I always wanted to be a guy, but especially a Jewish male comic. That's really interesting. <laughs> All right, specific. That is so specific. A Jewish male comic is... So, so give me the role model. But my who, parents weren't supportive. Who, who was the the Jewish male comic you wanted Phil to be? Phil Silvers, or okay. and I love Kathy Silver. She's a Facebook fan. I hope she's a Facebook friend. <laughs> um, Sid Caesar, Phil Silvers. Love At it. one point, Woody Allen was my yes. You know Annie Hall, and now Woody yeah. Allen. It's as if you can't speak about people anymore. We're going to talk about we're, we're going to talk about that too. Okay, so okay. You're, so you're so in, anyway. You're in I, I go to Boulder, Colorado, University of Colorado for college. Okay, I leave my Barbies in this vast attic in okay. a corner, hidden. Whatever you do, Mom, never give them away. And I get home the first Christmas break, she gave them away, mm -hmm. and she said, "You didn't need those old things. What do you need Barbie for?" And it's as if she never, she gave away everything I ever loved and cherished. Mine too. I, I have one box. I have one box left that was because I think it was at my father's house. Everything else was thrown wow. away, including so a pillow that mother. I slept with my entire life. Yeah, I think we do. I think we, we do all have it. Except we are not. Okay, so Lydia and I both have sons who are 23. Um, and this is another weird thing that I just am going to share briefly. But uh, Lydia's son's father, um, uh, Mike Barry. No, Jim no. Mulholland. Jim, Jim Mulholland, Mike Barry's the other one. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Jim O'Holland and Mike Barry were a team, our writing team, and in those days they were called the Boys. They wrote every, they wrote almost every joke that Johnny Carson said for yes, years. Exactly. They then wrote almost every joke that David Letterman said for years. And Gabe was uh, my um, husband was the head monologue writer for David Letterman. And every morning at like seven a.m. he would get this load of jokes from the Boys. Oh my gosh! And um, so we Isn't had this weird? crazy connection. Your husband, I my love husband. this term, husband. Yeah. So okay, so now so. So this happened. So okay. where's the spiritual? So I, I want, go away. Let's get the spiritual awakening. Okay, I go away to college. I yeah. come back. I have this horrific fight with my mother. 
For 20 years I had this resentment against her and she could not, I would not forgive her no matter what. Yeah. Barbie musical comes on Broadway, there was talk of a musical, there was talk of Barbie being worth a fortune. I had the original um, bubble cut Barbie with the, I'm sure men love this conversation, but <laughs> <laughs> they're G.I. Joe dolls. They would but, but men have but, moms too, yeah. who have done stuff. Done so stuff. so I, I never forgave her. She begged forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I have to say she really did. Mm -hmm. She wasn't always a psychopath. And God, I love you, Mom. Um, and now we're having an amazing healing, by the way. But the very first AA meeting I ever went into, I had not let go of this resentment. I actually had a fight with her the day before. And then after three days of before Labor Day weekend, of certain things I was doing with my child in the car, I shouldn't have been doing, driving mm -hmm. while drinking, I went into, a, into an AA meeting in a fog at the Good Shepherd Church in Beverly Hills, and I was wearing a hat and sunglasses thinking, I don't want anyone to see me, I'm too famous to get sober, and then I realized nobody even knew who I was anymore because I was so deep in my drinking. I couldn't mm -hmm. stop drinking, and I had had this baby. I didn't drink during the pregnancy, but mm -hmm. six months after he was born, I could not get enough. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. That weekend, I wandered into this meeting and I heard a woman. There's all these shiny, beautiful faces in Beverly Hills at the Good Shepherd Church. And I heard a woman at the podium say, if you've wandered into this room, you don't know if you're an alcoholic. Let's put it this way. Virgins don't take pregnancy tests. <laughs> and the whole room roared with laughter and it was clapping and laughing and the smell of coffee and cinnamon rolls and a famous iconic actress was serving everyone sandwiches with her she had the maid every Tuesday and I just sat down and they said are there Virgins any don't take pregnancy, pregnancy tests. tests I'm just loving that that's a great line it is a great line and they finally they said are there any um, alcoholics present and my hand shot up of its own volition without my permission and I just remember crying a river of 20 years of hell. Mm. This is a very, very complex story of the mm. things I went through in life that got me to this point. But it was as if I was relieved. That was my first prayer, the surrender. Mm -hmm. The actual admitting I am an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And all these beautiful women came over and hugged me at the end of the meeting. And one woman said, I don't want you to go home alone. I was sobbing. I couldn't stop crying. And she said, Let's go home and we'll sit in your garden or my house and we'll talk. I'll bring you some coffee. So she came over to my house. And the first thing she says to me out of the blue, not knowing anything about my story, she says, Lydia, you're going to overcome every resentment you ever had in this program. For example, I overcame a lifelong resentment against my mother for giving away my Barbies. She said this to she you? She said this to me. A stranger. Oh. Whoa. Oh my God. Okay, that is what we call a God a shot. A God shot, right? And oh. I swear to you, this is weird. Okay, I'm sitting there. Oh my God. The, sh the hair on my neck stands up. I have chills up and down my spine. My entire life I've been off track. I'm this creative child that could never be in my skin. And I felt like my whole life was off track and it was suddenly snapped into divine alignment. And from that day on, I've never had another drink. I've had chocolate, I've had <laughs> I've had, you know, a normie, I've married a, you know, a guy that, we want to talk about him, but I've written a comedy about the divorce, and um, I forgave my mother, and then we had many other moments in our relationship, that bizarre, wonderful things. I had about 50 of these magical coincidences in a row, mm -hmm. that are even more uncanny than the next, mm -hmm. in the first six months of my sobriety, so I call that a pink cloud. Yeah. And it was just this grace of surrender. I surrendered 
I admitted I needed help, and this beautiful magic started happening, these coincidences. I believe that that can happen any day to anybody at any time. As soon yeah, as I too. surrender anything, me too. as soon as, it, when I, I, it's my, it's my, um, my default to want to control people, places, and things, everything, I have to be in the sister program because I'm all over that. Uh, so, yeah, because every time I want to control anything, which is all the time, um, it, it, I try to control it and it slips through my fingers. But as soon as I let yeah. go... As soon as I release that illusion of control, because I'm not controlling anything, the only thing I can control is my next action. I can't control anything beyond that. So, as soon as I let go of that control, there's a reward from the universe. Immediately! There's I always... I keep forgetting. There's always oh a reward God. from the universe. And there's always miracles. Always. Because what is a miracle? A miracle is a shift in perception. My sponsor's going to be so proud of me tonight. I love that you said <laughs> that a miracle is a shift in perception. This idea of religious miracles is it's so not religious at all. It's yeah. not. The, well, yeah. The Our best religion. religion is simply kindness, letting go, unburdening yourself, helping others. Being like of that's service why to being others. of love yes. and service to others. Yes. And uh, this thing about the higher power, though, when you were saying that it's it's inside and it's love, my higher power is outside of myself because there is a power greater than myself, and it's not me. No, so no, I no, have to. So right. I can't keep right. mine in you're here right. because right. my higher power is not me, right? There's a power greater. Than, anyway, we're getting into all this. Do you call it God? Life. Do you call it God? And I do call it God. And so I, call, do I. I call it God just because it's easy to do, and people know what that means. If I, I say like, higher power, right. it's like all funky. It's God. It's God. Right. But anyway, this is not a religious conversation no. at all. <laughs> Because I'm not religious at all. I eat shrimp. I eat pork. I'm Jewish. I ride on the Sabbath. I do everything I'm not supposed to do. But um, it's not. It's not about religion. But it's about this inner peace. Is what I was trying to say. It's 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 an inside job. Is what I was trying to say. It is an inside. It job. really is. You have to take the first step. And once you take that step, it's as if it carries you. But it, it is. But, but it transforms away. to every single thing I do, such as. Being in a shit mood today, deciding I'm going to stay in the exactly. shit mood, and then saying, "Wait a minute, no, I want to. I'm going to use my tools." So what? So I did pray and meditate this. No, I didn't meditate this morning. I did pray though, but it's not like a religious prayer at all. I know, it's basically so, yeah. It's like so. No, this is not religion at all. Um, but anyway, uh, as soon as I did what I know to do, I immediately felt better. Immediately, and I know that. And so to make, an, uh, to make the other choice ever is crazy on the one hand, but on the other hand, there's a certain, I don't know if I would appreciate feeling good if I didn't also sometimes feel not so good, mm. right? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. okay. So yeah. take us through, so, so yeah. let's start out. So before right. you're getting drunk, before you're yeah. getting sober, you're a little girl, you're living in El Paso, Texas. When do you know you want to be, what do you want to be when you grow up when you're a little girl in El Paso, Texas? The minute I went to Disneyland for the first time, and the minute I saw my father playing the orchestra pit in the opera Pinocchio, mm. and I got to run on stage and go inside the whale, and there was gauze inside his tummy, and I mm. went, the, state, the smell of the stage and the grease mm. paint, and the, mm. the idea of being behind a curtain and coming out, and it was, there was something about the theater I loved. I was obsessed with theater. How old were you? Girl, five. Okay. And then I went to Disneyland and I was like, this is it. How old were you? I, I was an escapist. I wanted to escape, obviously, and numb myself. But five and six, mm -hmm. I became obsessed with acting. So were you in school plays and all of that? Or directing, actually. And I had a little theater in the backyard. I had a sandbox in El Paso. Mm -hmm. 
and my father put a bamboo curtain, we could roll it up, and I put stage plays on, and I played the boy, and all the neighborhood kids played the princess. They would never play the boy. I was the I boy. I love that you were a top. I love this, because it's <laughs> yeah. not, it's not what, what I would expect. I'm not going to speak for anybody else, uh. but the fact that this glamorous, gorgeous woman... Uh, oh, thank so you. What, so t what was that about? Because uh, I know you were always adorable. You were always beautiful. There's no doubt about it. What was what was that about wanting to be the boy? I was I was overly creative. It's as if I, to be a girl like to have to pretend to be into nail polish and romantic movies and your hair. It was so annoying. It was so, it got in the way. It was like my son. I caught him walking through the house with his pokeballs around his and his karate outfit on. A little kid, and I stopped to say, "You're so cute." And he goes, "Mom, I got to get on my journey." It's like he we don't have time for this beauty thing and I wasn't into being a girl in the sense that society imposes upon us. Okay, but girl, now girl. I just want to take a little side trip because before we went on camera, you and I were both oh, God. freaking out about the hair, the yeah. lights, the the weight, this bad because, because we are because we know better and yet we are victimized. We're by a prisoner it. of the society. I'm I'm going to shed this this year. I don't want to care how I look anymore. Oh. But it's like this old, I'm, it's like an anchor, a chain around my neck where I have to care how I look constantly because it gives because me some you, validation. And because you that, became famous as, yeah. this, as this ingenue, starlit, gorgeous yeah. woman, how do you think, how does that happen? How do you think it might be possible to shed that? Come, come on, because we're talking about a lifetime of conditioning from that little girl who was wanted to be a boy to not have it to go through all those years of everybody telling you you're pretty, you're beautiful. You and know. that's all you're worth. It's like we have an expiration date. I was telling Louise, if, if you're only valued for your looks, you have an expiration date the minute your looks start to fade a little. We cannot allow this anymore. I'm tired of it. I wrote a whole book about, you know, I was mistaken for a hooker by my mother and the police on my way to an entourage audition one day <laughs> to play my former self. Because the only roles I could go up for were hooker roles or beauty, you know, the pretty girl. And once you're 35, they kind of put you out to pasture in Hollywood. Because you're no longer the pretty girl. Did you have that happen to you? Yes. Of course. It's so like that you, you Schumer, Schumer Yes. Um, where Julie Louis-Dreyfus and they're all out to pasture. They're out in the pasture. I saw that. <laughs> Fanta that was fantastic. Oh, yeah, that was I don't remember what it is, but I, I saw it on, uh, I saw it on, um, I'm trying to see if anybody's asking you any questions. Love your truth. Just wanted to say hi. I used to watch Too Close to Comfort. This is Will Harris. Hi, Will. Um, Annette loves you so much. Penny Aww. says you are definitely on. Lydia, you look gorgeous, says Lori Landros. Hi, Lydia, says Phil Isaacson. I'm doing this. I never do this. Hi, Phil Isaacson. I Edward love you. Walsh. Hi, Lori. Hi, Lydia. Um, and Ernest. Um, anyway, so Lori. Deborah, Penny, they're all saying hi. Thank you. Okay, so I never take the time to do that. We gotta just, yeah. Louise, do me a favor. Tell me if anybody asks a great question. Okay. Um, Thank that we you. Should, that we should. Uh, well, put Edward to Lydia. Walsh just wrote, Lydia, you're more beautiful now. Oh, Eddie. Eddie's my college boyfriend from ah! Boulder, Colorado. Oh, I love this. We live together. Back in the freshman, sophomore year, sophomore year, yeah. I love this. He's a this. lawyer in Denver now. I, I love it. I so, okay, so how, you, Lydia, do we, as adult women who have been through this conditioning, I was never the starlet, I was, I was not that person, <laughs> but how do we shed this obsession with how, it, for me, it's not about how I look, 
For me, it's about how you perceive me. That's what I'm worried right. about. So we're, right, so we're too into being, okay, here's what it is. I actually have to go back to this higher power thing and ask for help because yes. I realize controlling my own life how I look and how people perceive me is, is a losing proposition. Mm -hmm. I will never win because on Facebook, there are haters, there are people that are going to judge you no matter what you do. Right. So you have to please yourself, the inner part of you, the, the core. And right now, I'm trying to keep it really simple. So what's a first step that you think you can take? That we can take. Well, I'm gonna do a show where I take my makeup off and do. I actually. Are you really gonna? Yeah, yeah. I want to do that. I, and I want to show. I I just want to be myself. I look at Greta Gerwig on stage the other day, and she's talking about her her movie, and she's an indie actress. She's born in '83, so maybe it's our gener. You know, our generation. I grew up with Farrah Fawcett being the poster woman. She's right. older than I was, but I wanted big teeth. I thought te her teeth were the key to her power. So oh, the I, hair. Uh, and the hair. And the hair. So I had a pair, I had some fake uh, overbite teeth made. Oh my God. On my first year in Too Close for Comfort, I had these fake teeth because <laughs> I wanted the bigger teeth. And, and they fell off and Ted Knight crushed them with his feet. One day. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I love Ted. I, I was Ted. so into my looks and the mm. producers used to harass me over my looks. They mm. would go, what is she doing with her face? Why is she, <laughs> you know, why is she hiding her hair? Or why is she... Um, the producers were always on my case about my looks. If I was eating a burrito one day, they would scream. Don't you know you're a sex symbol? Aww. You can't eat starch. Oh, you mean they, oh, I thought they were making fun of you because you because you cared so no, much. No, they, they were they were more obsessed with my looks than oh, necessary. Okay, okay. So you had Big Brother over your shoulder. Yeah, and Arnie Sultan, whom I love, he rest in peace. He created Get Smart with Mel Brooks. Wow. Whom I know you you know Mel. Yeah. Um, he screamed, I had M&M's, a burrito, and I was at the food truck at the Solid Gold stage, but that was the other sound stage where, where um, all Solid the family gold. was. Yeah. I love it, yeah. And all the family had been on our stage, and then we had only a food truck at KTLA. Wait, I'm thinking moved. that their show is called Not Dead Yet. I'm thinking that's what it's called. Is Not that right? Yet. I don't know. Anyway, the Norman Lear, Peter Tolan mm, film. Mm, I think it's mm. called Not Dead Yet. But anyway. So I remember I came in with all these food one day to eat, and mm. Arnie Sultan goes, don't you know you're a sex symbol? You can't eat starch. I just repeated this joke twice, but I wanted to get... I freaked through the food in the air, went crying into Audrey Meadows' dressing room. She was sneaking cigarettes because she wasn't allowed to smoke. <laughs> what a body bag she was. Oh, my God. Oh. Well. <laughs> and, by the way, she's the one that convinced me to go to Beirut, Lebanon in 1982 Christmas Eve to visit the troops, which I did, and I just went, revisited all the... The wow. USS Inchon troops in October. Wow. I love I love the military and I love the USS Inchon. That is phenomenal. Okay, so so mm. so shedding the okay, so do you know that thing Jamie Lee Curtis did a, a bunch of years ago? Jamie Lee Curtis, when she did uh, True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, was one of the most perfect specimens of her women. Body. Her body. Oh that God. she had the most jamming body like I've ever seen. Yeah. Like she also did that movie with Travolta called Perfect and yeah. her body was perfect. Yeah. Right. But a few years later, Jamie Lee took off all the makeup. I love it. She was in I think she was in just underwear. She showed her body the way it is without any filters, oh, that's without right. any makeup. It was so brave. And did she ever work again? <laughs> and you know what's what's really interesting is she hasn't worked much. now, but I think that's been her choice. Yeah, it's been her you choice. You know, she started writing she's children's one of us. books. She's one of us. And, 
Mission. Yeah. Um, in a good way. But um, but anyway, Jamie's amazing and brave <laughs> and bold, and I I I love what she did, and I love that she's shown a light on the fact that what we perceive as perfection is actually human. We all are human. Um, I had a client here yesterday, and I met her at the door with absolutely no makeup on, my glasses on, my I just yeah. disheveled, and I. She walked in, she said, oh, you know, I did this for you. And she looked perfect, right? She was all, <laughs> and I said, I thought about doing that for you, but I'm having these allergies. and Because we do it for each other, right? We do I don't even think other. men care that much about this stuff. No, they it's, don't. They don't really care. Women notice much more than men do. Now you can see, right? Yeah. So anyway, okay, so. so but, okay, I think we're, we're overly obsessed. I wrote a whole movie called Venus. Look at this as the cover of the movie script. Which now, all the projects I've been writing, it's called Venus Conspiracy. Okay. It's about, the logline is all human suffering, all human suffering is caused by Victoria's Secret. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about a plot to keep women thin and insecure that started back in the 60s when Twiggy, when, when Twiggy, first of all, Marilyn was Zoftig and a little yes. bit voluptuous and so was uh, Rosalind Russell and yes. all the women in the 40s. Jane Mansfield. And then suddenly they thought, we can't so make money off women that way. Let's. Huh? Why? Let's find a model that's thinner so we can make women thin and insecure. It's a plot to keep us thin and insecure. But why so we can't keep they buying make products? products? Oh, the products. Okay. To keep buying diet products and makeup and things. We never, they never want us to feel too good about ourselves. Why don't they want to sell us food? They do, but they want it to be <laughs> diet food. Diet food is more... Do you diet know that it costs food. way more way more money to eat healthy yeah. than it does to eat junk? Oh. That's, why, that's why America is obese, because right. it's so much cheaper to eat McDonald's and all that stuff totally. than it is to go to Whole Foods or to go to Sprouts or to go to Trader, even Trader Joe's, which i got to give a shout out to Trader Joe's. I love because, Trader Joe's. Right, Trader Joe's is fantastic. My because, favorite store. Because they do healthy food and they do it in a way we can afford it. So, amazing. Um, right? They're amazing. And they have happy people working there. They do. It's always elves dancing in the aisle. <laughs> they, <laughs> do like that. they do have happy people yeah, working you there. Gotta, you gotta make Where, people happy. And you know, that's another thing that I've noticed is that the women who's, the women's bodies that I cover, these beautiful women that I think, oh, if I only, they are, for the most part, miserable. You rarely see a really skinny woman they're, smile. They're, they're so starving. hungry. They're so hungry. They're hungry. They're so hungry. We're not supposed to be that thin. We're not. We're, we can't bear babies if we're too thin. And they say you stay younger longer if you're not too thin as you age. Mm. So we're not supposed I, to. I, and I get all that. And it, but, but and still, yet, yeah. still, you know, we'll end this show and I'll go back to beating myself up for whatever I'm eating that's not. Perfect today. You are so pretty and beautiful. Yeah. You really are. You are. And, and and I have been obsessed with looking good my whole life to the point where it's now I'm over it. I'm over it. And this is I actually am Okay, but we're saying that, but at the same time ten minutes before the before the camera started rolling, I know. she's got a light shining on her from her cell phone at this moment. To bounce because light she has, off. Because she, she has bad lighting. You understand. You need a fill light. Well, yeah, yeah, but, but, but what I'm your... saying is we, we're, we talk out of both sides of our mouths. But we're because trying. We're, we're because human. we're trying. We're human. We're human. But, we're this, human. but this, isn't, this is something that we uh, can... Go ahead, Louise. I'd yeah. like to change the subject. Yeah. Uh, Ross Mark would like for to know if you have uh, any stories about sexual harassment. I do. Oh. Okay. Well, okay, thanks, Ross. Hi, Ross. Thank you, Ross. 
I love Ross. Um, and by the way, I love your sponsor. He's a wonderful guy. Right. Rick, do you know Rick? He Rick just wrote me a beautiful note. Rick is fantastic. Smoky. I'm going to connect Smokey. Smokey. I'm going to connect you with Rick Smokey. Yeah. Anything you need printed. You have your scripts and all this stuff. Oh, Rick cool. is your guy. He's your guy. Yeah, and that, I love your And the tissue boxes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, maybe you can have too close to come. For well, I wrote this book called okay. Hiding My Brain in My Bra. Okay. And it is now with publishers being, you know, the, it's in New York. Right. And it took me a long time, and I read part of it out loud here. Yes, you did. It was fantastic. Salon. I love your salon. Thank you. And I made it a crafted piece of comedy that is true. It's raising mm -hmm. aliens and living with a Neanderthal, raising my sons, what it was like to be a woman in a house of boys. Okay. And all the stories are true, mm -hmm. and they're, they're interesting, but I finally realized I've got to write the sexual harassment chapter, only because it's in the news, Right. and I'm skirting the issue, and I don't want to name names because... Okay, why? I don't want to do it for publicity reasons, and I don't want to kill someone's career until I'm, I, I meditate on it for a while first to see what is my motive. Because I haven't named a name either. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Okay. Like I kind of was waiting for other people so to I. name him because I, oh. he's going to get named because he's notorious. Who is it? I, <laughs> but he's, I, you know, I do believe he's going to be named, and I kind of, and not that I'm going to jump on the bandwagon because I don't even think I will. Then I, I want him to be named because he's a horrible, offensive to women person. Okay. That is getting away with. I wonder if it's the getting same away. No, I don't think so. But okay, so so. Well, I when I first came to Hollywood. The very first agent I met at yeah. a huge agency, and a lot of people know of him. Okay. Literally exposed himself <gasps> oh, at, behind the desk. Oh. I, 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 he said, "Come over here," and I walked around the desk, and I and I and he grabbed me, and I twirled away, and I extricated myself, and I giggled so he wouldn't feel rejected. That was the weirdness yeah. of the era. Oh well, yeah, in. because we because we still had to. Yeah. yeah, we didn't know how to take care of ourselves. We didn't, and it was part of, it, it was this old story I'd heard about Hollywood that I never knew. <sighs> was just Wait, I just want to say, by the way, this is a perfect example of this thing that happened with Aziz um, last week, Aziz. with this girl, everybody's pointing at the girl, yeah. and saying, oh, she could have gotten, said no, she could have gotten out of right. there. When people have power, and there is an abuse of power, right. we become jelly brains, and we don't do That's the smart true. thing. We still try to appease we think, because... First of all, we think they may want to be our boyfriend or marry us. Or There's one really attractive producer that chased me for years and he's very prominent right now. Mm -hmm. And and he, he kind of coerced me over and over and I never did, I never did. And then one day I thought I should have because then... And, and then when I, mm. when I saw him again, it was like he did it again to me and Aww. something else happened. And... Aww. I can't mention his name because okay. I don't know. I'm just not ready to mention his name. But okay, there are so others. There are 50 or 60 others. They have actually, 50 or 60? I'm not talking about just harassment. I'm talking about men who say, I'll read your script if you go to dinner with me. We'll right. talk about it over dinner. Right. There's always that weird thing. There's a couple of very wonderful men in my life who still kept hinting if we slept together, I could get a lot further in my career. And I literally went off and became... Now here's what's good about our story. Okay. At least I know for a fact writing my book mm -hmm. before the sexual harassment thing came out. I've written this book already. Mm -hmm. It's about how I came through it. I had to get sober first. I had to even go through this to understand why I wasn't working in my industry. I had such timidity, such fear, 
So many men just looked at me like I was a bimbo and I was only worth one thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any strength of self, mm -hmm. no self-worth. So I went through the whole thing, got sober, had children, tried to make my life a respectable life, mm -hmm. began writing again. And now this wonderful thing's opened up where women are now, we're looking at each other as friends, not competitors. Okay, we this has is, to be friends. This is something that makes me crazy. It's a lot of why I started Women Who Write. Oh, yeah. It's because we as female, it's like there's only so much to go. The universe is abundant. There yes. is enough for everybody. There's enough for everybody. We are, we are taught and geared to be competitive, to be jealous, to be envious yeah. of women that have more. That have, if because I perceive of the way it's been set up for us. Yes. Yeah. And actually, my world is surrounded much more with women um, these days. I, I when I was younger, though, all my friends were guys. Yeah. I only, I pretty much only hung out with the guys. Mm -hmm. It was safer, right? I yeah. felt yeah. safer. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. Crazy. Um, it's a different. It's it's. It's been a weird journey as a woman, who, where literally I feel that as you walk outside the door. My whole life, it's never been a single day where I haven't felt like they're going to either look at my butt and say, nice ass, or why are you so fat? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, or you just go camouflage and you just don't care. But, but you have do to you always be looked at like an object. But I feel that men are much more accepting of us and our humanity than, than other women are. Right. Or, or maybe it's just my perception of what I think other women are thinking. But I feel much more judged by women than I do by men. You're right. Right? Men are like, oh, take off the makeup. Oh, you yeah, look great. I love something to hold on to. You know, yeah, I don't know if they're easy, lying. They're easy, sweet, you know, simple yeah. creatures. Well, I love them. Maybe they're bullshitting because they just feel that's the way into the pants. I don't know. I didn't mean that they're simple creatures, but they're just so much more um, accepting of us. They're kind of simple creatures. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think we have been geared to be harsh with each other. So do I. You know, the, the women's magazines, I am never going to look so like one of, of those. women's magazines. Do you know this whole fight going on now with Jane Fonda and Megyn Kelly over oh her asking God. her about her plastic surgery and, and bringing up all of this stuff? And You know, but, but then look at that. Here's somebody, here's Jane, who is one of my heroes. Yeah. She is... So powerful, right. so brilliant, so talented, so smart, so evolved, so... Who do, who do you think is the wrong one here? But, but what bothers me is I wish Jane didn't feel the need to do that stuff either. Yeah. I wish Jane could embrace... She's so gorgeous. Why did she start... The, it's a cat fight. It's a cat fight. It's a cat fight, and I'm not gonna. I don't judge Jane for doing it because I get it. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand why. Mm -hmm. She wants to, you know, I still do the Jane Fonda workout. I love <laughs> it. I don't wear leg warmers anymore. I don't have a <laughs> But I've done it for so many years that I know I that's, know it by heart. Right. Right. Really no, I'm not. I don't do she's it half really the time. Beautiful no. shape and she's but, just... but the thing is, Jane is like a goddess. Yeah, I know. She's a goddess, but she's still she's still having the same inner conflict that we you all and I are talking about. Because we're just it's very hard to say, to suddenly see. Okay, so one day I put a photo up where I look kind of tired, and one of my fans went when a sweet, wonderful guy on Facebook said, "You look tired today." And I'm like, I don't need to hear that right now. 
So I want to just go retouch it real quick and then I have a good day. This is very shallow, but it gets you through the day and I, I, it's a paper thin excuse for, for having no self-esteem. So how do we change We're gonna do this comp? How, how do we change this? Let's what do a 12 do? step program for this. We can uh, you know what? Surrender. Yeah. Admit we're powerless over it. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute, we should actually start. One. We can we could do the we could do the twelve steps of of, of acceptance acceptance of, of, of our of our natural humanity. In the expect way that on your Facebook feeds in the next twenty four hours. Lydia and I are going to write the twelve steps of um, of acceptance of ourselves. Are you so so maybe it's because if we're single women, we think there's someone out there that might. Ah, you know, that this, okay, this has a lot to do with it too, because when I was married and I was in a long-term marriage, mm -hmm. I was far more forgiving with myself. Mm -hmm. Not totally. I yeah. mean, I still, you know, worked out and I, I yeah. did, but I was okay to walk out of the house without yeah, makeup. I was okay. You know, I, was I okay. never wore makeup. I wore hair in a ponytail and yeah. I took the kids with me and we went on trips every weekend to Palm Springs. We, we would be just natural. Yeah, my husband yeah. loved to go on trips. It was a, with the dogs. It was fun. and and also, you know, my my husband was I was he didn't care if I had makeup on or if I didn't have right. he would, right. you know it, I was all good. Just so what it is is this we're in the market now, or maybe Oof, we're in the meat God. market. What do you think? My markets, the shelves in my market have been very sparse <laughs> I, of late. I, I completely agree with what you're saying, and I think that you know if you have someone who loves you unconditionally, you don't, you're not as concerned. But if you think of it kind of like in reverse, the guy who's going to be in love with you, the one, the one who's worth having you, is the guy who's going to love you. Initially, without your makeup. Exactly. Yes. Without all the I, I agree. Stuff. By the way, Ross says that Jane is 80 and she can make her choices. That's and that's, right. you know, she, yeah, she's, she's 80. That, she's that's 80. that's mind-blowing. Oh I mean, God. she's amazing. Um, okay, so so let's get back to Lydia. But, so, but it's also, my mother yeah. trained me that all that mattered was how I looked when I was a little girl. She would, mm. my hair was in long ringlets and sausage curls. And I was like... You know, stop. she spent so much time doing my hair. Uh -huh. And then when I was in high school, I had acne, and my hair was my security blanket. And I was in high school combing my hair over my cheeks to hide it, like Cher. Mm -hmm. And she saw me in the mirror doing this, and she said, you think you're pretty with that long, hippie hair. And she grabbed my hair, and she took the largest pair of garden shears we had, and she cut it off above my earlobe. I had the, the baby, yeah. Oh, That's a mom God. who saw you either as a reflection of her right. or as a threat to her. Right. When you were little. And I had no dates in high school. Yeah. That was my one date I was going to have and then I could never go back to. Oh, this is like a Carrie story. Yeah. Wow. And I love you, but now we're having the most miraculous healing in this house. It's called the Healing House. I'm, gonna, I'm doing a book about taking care of your parents with humor because the stories are hilarious. But... Um, there's a lot of love there that comes full circle when you can forgive. Okay, so you're this little girl. So I yeah. totally agree with you. Yeah. Let, let's get to let's because this is the road taken, and we want to. Thank you. We want to. We want to get to your. We want to get to your. Um, yeah. We want to get to your your tools and how okay. how you managed to do what you did and how you're doing what you're doing now. So so you're this little girl. You're in Scars. You've moved to Scarsdale. You are in school plays. Yes. Okay. In Scarsdale, coming from El Paso, Texas, uh -huh. desert where I speak Spanish and, and going to Scarsdale at the age of 11 for middle school, I curtsied in the hall and said hello to everyone's name. Didn't wow. I thought Texas was, New York was just this forest of green trees. Scarsdale was this beautiful community. Uh -huh. We didn't fit in at all. We were not mega wealthy. 
Okay. But it was an amazing place to grow up. Uh -huh. Some of my best friends now, I went to my high school reunion last year, and it's so cool to You're meet. so brave. I, I have a contact. Oh, it was the best thing I've ever done. Really? Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to all my high school, Scarsdale High <laughs> reunion people. They're all prominent, incredible people in the world. Um, I met the agent for my book. He's one of the wow. wonderful, incredible guy uh -huh. in New York. Um, so I didn't fit in at all. I was an outcast, and the only friend I had was Monroe Mendelssohn, a gay guy who was hilarious. And he, he and I went running around Yonkers, dressed in paisley bell bottoms, playing the kazoo, St. <laughs> Patrick's Cathedral. We made fun of everyone. We went in and out of the cathedral, playing the kazoo. We got kicked out of St. Patrick's. We were on doing theater all the time, and we were in every play together. Mm -hmm. I was Petra, an enemy of the people, mm -hmm. and he played Aslikson. And we so were the stage was a place where you had yeah you theater. had success that that was a place where you could shine yes except that we played torchbearers behind the beautiful blonde Desdemona and Othello <laughs> we were like I had huge sideburns covering my acne at that point because <laughs> my hair had been cut off but um, it was I was a complete nerd outcast virgin never had a date complete reject just a creative child okay and were you a good I student I think people come very good students yeah. straight A's. I was in honor Spanish, so mm -hmm. I got to read Galdós in Espanol and Doña Perfecta, and I love to show off my Spanish. <laughs> it's like I can say two words in Russian: Diamond Mazla Pajosta, Diamond Sacha, Pass the butter, please. Oh, ah. That's a very important thing to be able to say. <laughs> and the sugar. My dad was Russian, so I learned like, a little bit of Russian. But um, Spanish is kind of the most beautiful language. It's a mm. romance language. Yes, it's gorgeous. It. We should all speak Spanish. I like it. Because this was in the native land, Los Angeles, um, Sepulveda. It's this is a Spanish. I love land. when Siri tries to say <laughs> Sepulveda on yeah. on on way, or when the Waze guy tries to say Sepulveda. I don't know. I don't know what. It, I can't even say what, what it comes out. Sepulveda. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a clue. Okay, so so, so you're doing theater. Theater. Theater's making you have self value. Yeah, a little. It was an escape. It was fun. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember doing my first monologue, The Glass Menagerie, and mm -hmm. the teacher was looking at me like, because I was so into the character. I have tricks in my pocket. I have things up my sleeve. Mm -hmm. and, but I'm, you know, that beautiful monologue mm -hmm. that's done by a man. Mm -hmm. So, yes, of course, escaping in your mind. And still you're, you're, being the male, you're still doing the male parts. Interesting. It is interesting. I'm a boy inside a girl's body trying to pretend. No, I'm not... You're not. I'm you're, not a gay boy. You're, you're, you're... I'm a... <laughs> no, what you are, what you are is a smart, capable, competent woman. And we've associated those qualities with men. Yeah. We have, those are but not we attributes. All, all women are like this. I don't mm -hmm. know very many women who aren't creative beings until they're told they have to fit into this box. Mm -hmm. And your only value is how you look and you're going to be married one day. That was our generation, maybe. My mother didn't instill that, even though she married very, very young, 18 or 19. I didn't have that hanging over me, but it was, it was about having plan B. It was about mm. my dream, my creative dream was not that. It was all about my, making money. Okay, it was all same with about me. making same money. Same with me. So therefore I didn't. I, I was all, I totally just went the creative way. So I was told if I, I should go get a degree and go to Wall Street, become a banker. My okay. mother, banker, mm -hmm. banker. Yes. And I went to business school and mm -hmm. I just went, zeep, got my business degree. Yeah. Could not even get through the accounting class. It was so, oh. I'm not into math. I'm yeah. not good at oh. math. 
But I got I graduated with 3.5, and then I work at Caribou Ranch, which is a recording studio up in the mountains of Colorado. And for the business school, I invited these big promoters to come, big music promoters, Barry Faye and Chuck. Eddie, tell me if it's Chuck Morris or Chuck Norris. All right, I'm waiting to see if he... Look how well you came through. Um, you can show the way, Eddie just said a little Eddie. bit ago. So I worked um, at Caribou... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just... I'm, I'm just... Hmm... Well, Caribou Ranch is where Elton John recorded. <laughs> Ross is saying, name names. Billy Joel. <laughs> oh, I got a lot of names. They're all in here. Okay. Um, yeah. So I crashed Billy Joel's band into a snowbank, and I was working at the ranch picking up Johnny. I picked up Johnny Mitchell. I picked up Neil Young. I picked up Carrie, his, his wife, Carrie Snodgrass. Yeah. Yeah, and I picked up Henry Diltz, and Henry now we're friends. Photographer, Morris. fantastic. Yeah, hi, Henry Diltz. Yeah. Morris. Huh? Morris. Morris. It was Chuck Morris who owned Tulagi's on the Hill. Oh, oh. So at the business college, I held a, held a big conference for rock and roll. I wanted to be a rock and roll manager. I was a rock and roll promoter. You and were? Manager. Yeah, in New York, oh back in the day. God. Go ahead, tell us you. So at the, this is another magical God shot. I manifested. I wanted to get into Caribou Ranch, which was like the White House. Right. This recording studio in Nederland, Colorado where Elton John was recording the Beach Boys in <laughs> Chicago. And no one could get in. It was impossible, guards at the gate. And so I invited these promoters to speak at the business school. Mm -hmm. And afterwards they said, you wanna have dinner with us at the Red Lion Inn in the canyon? Mm -hmm. And I said yes. And who was sitting with us at dinner? The owner of Caribou Ranch, Jimmy Garcio. Nice. Jimmy Garcio, yeah. Wow. Mm. He managed Chicago and the Beach Boys. Mm. And he built the ranch for a private recording studio for rock and roll bands to come live in the ranch and be waited on and live in cabins and record at their leisure. So he said, hey, you want to come up to the ranch? Would you like to have a tour? And I went, yes. <laughs> and he said, you want to work up there? And I went, yes. <laughs> so I got a job as the ranch photographer. Wow. Were you a photographer? No, and I no. never knew how to take a picture in my life. <laughs> So I, to this day, I have blurry pictures of Joni Mitchell. But <laughs> 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 you needed Henry Dill. But I got to be the yes, kitchen. you did. Yeah, I, I needed yes. this. But then I got to be the kitchen girl and serve and wait on Carol King and, and pick up Billy Joel at the airport and Neil Young and Johnny. Fantastic. Mitchell. It was the greatest thing. Yeah. How old were you when you were doing that? Just in my junior year of college, so I was okay. eight, nineteen. Wow. Okay, so what happens after that? Then I road managed Michael Murphy, the, the rock oh. band Wildfire. Oh. Yeah. Went on the road, picked up the money, had a briefcase tethered to my wrist. I wanted to discover a band, and I had this band called Raw Honey, female band. I oh. thought they were going to make it. And then graduated college, came out to call. I got a job with Epic Records, and then I went on a bunch of auditions, and I got too close for comfort really fast. Like so three months of being here. Wow. So you had like two things going on: the music stuff and 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 the acting thing. Uh, how I gave you, up the acting. You had kept up the acting through the no, whole I gave thing. it up. You had given it up. Yeah. So how did you? What what spurred you to get it to? Because it was the secret wish. It was that thing. I was trying to become go in the music industry just to get into Hollywood to become mm -hmm. an actor. It was like this roundabout way to please my parents, mm -hmm. go into business and do a creative business, the music business. But secretly my, I think it was just a, a, an inner drive that was always there. Do you think you manifested it? Yeah, I think it was actually manifested. Okay, yeah. so how, how did the Too Close for Comfort happen? 
Well, here's what happened in between. I'm at Epic Records mm -hmm. working for um, Steve Slutza. Okay. And you know, I wonder if he's still around. Shout out Steve Slutza. Well, he... Let's see if anybody knows Steve <laughs> Slutza. Okay. These were the wild days. And he was at okay. Epic Records and Pat Siciliano was Hi, there. Hi, Jake. Jake Tapula that's watching. Just too Yeah. I, do, you know, do you know Kim Fowley? Remember Kim Fowley? Does anyone know Why this do I know that iconic name? creature that used to roam Hollywood Boulevard? He was... No, I was, in New York. I was in New York. Okay, well, these years. are very famous people okay. back in the day. Okay. And I met David Liebert. Hi, Davey. And he managed Alice Cooper and the Go-Go's. Okay. And the Runaways. The Runaways. So David and I became boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay. And I was sort of in the music business thinking, how am I going to get into acting? And then suddenly my dad had a massive heart attack in Holland. We really, at this point, we moved from New York to Holland. I went to college in Boulder. My brother and sister went to The Hague, mm -hmm. the American School of The Hague. And they called me to go to Europe to check on my father. And I flew off. And while I was in Europe for five months, this was right after graduating college, mm -hmm. my dad was kept alive on a balloon pump. Ooh. And um, he had a pulmonary embolism that shot a clot to his heart. He took a blood thinner by accident. Oh. Somebody prescribed him a blood thinner. And on his way to from London, from Holland to London, mm -hmm. he had this heart attack, came back, all of us gathered around and we just waited to see what would happen. He never came back from this, mm. this balloon pump he was on for months. And during the time in Holland, I started watching American television shows and writing down the name of every producer. And this is really, I wrote letters, handwritten letters to every producer that I could find in the now, did you have did shows. you have a resume? Did you have an acting resume? None. Not not yet. No. Nothing. Okay. So you're writing handwritten letters to producers. What are you saying? Um, can I? Would you please put me in a TV show? Are, are you sending you them a please? Are you sending no, them a picture? No, no, just handwritten letters. I don't even know if they had snapshots in those. It was like 1979, <laughs> I don't know if they had snapshots. 78 or whatever. And I literally wrote bushels of letters to every producer in Hollywood. May I please have a job? Did anybody write you back? No, but oh my God, I wrote a really long letter to Jack Nicholson. I still have it. It was like, Mr. Nicholson, I have written a book on the Trotsky assassination. You would be perfect to play, the, play Leon Trotsky, the assassin of Trotsky. Rabban Mercader. I, I had all these dreams. I was a very creative artist. You know, I was writing okay. books and doing all this stuff. Okay. So get back to how I get back from my father's death. He died, and we buried him in Leiden, Holland. And and I get to LA, and I walk to Samuel Goldman Studios one day. I'm trying to figure out how I got on the lot, looking for a job. Just like that. Looking for a job, and I, I had a resume of some sort. It wasn't for acting. It was just any job in Hollywood. Okay. And I run into this guy in the hallway, Samuel Goldman Studios, across from the Formosa Cafe. Mm -hmm. And his name is Paul Donnelly. And he says, hi, can I help you? And I said, do you have any jobs here? <laughs> I was actually trying to break into the studio system, become an actress, get discovered. All of that course. And, and by the way, I want to say, kids that have had hard childhoods, they're the ones that come to Hollywood to seek fame. I don't think you're very healthy if you come here. In, in the beginning, because I think we're coming to seek the adoration of strangers, at least the actors. We, I didn't get enough love at home, unconditional love, and I think it was this big fantasy to come out here. And 
I think that's a lot of it for a lot of people. Um, we have had people on the road taken that have had the opposite experience where they've been very loved and very supportive. I'm thinking Michael Imperioli is one whose parents really gave him full birth and full reign and believed in him. And, I love uh, Michael Imperioli. Yeah, it's hard He's not to. a great to. guy, yeah. So, so no, I'm you're thinking right. it doesn't right. always have to be... I'm, I, I think that's true for a lot of... I, I love the way she's put lipstick on during this. She's putting hand lotion on. We're, we're, we're evolving. We're evolving during the rotation. I'm also going to a script while I'm here. No, I'm just kidding. Okay so, so, okay, so you're on the lot. What happens? So I ran into Paul Donnelly and he said, Sure, come on up and meet Jack Webb. Wow. So I go up to Mark Dragon. Yeah, Dragon. Yeah. Mark Seven Productions, Jack mm -hmm. Webb, the, the real Jack Webb. Yeah. He's wearing red socks and a red shirt. And I think he's, he's really gruff. He's smoking a lot. Mm hmm. And, um, yeah, hire her, give her a job. Let her work for Georgie Sherman upstairs. So I go upstairs and I work as the assistant to a film director who's worked with John This Wayne. is just from walking in off the street, yeah. you get a job that yeah. day. Yeah. All right, people, the road taken. <laughs> just walk into a studio, look like this, and you get a job the first Thank day. Thank you. And I was like many yeah. years younger. Okay. I'm thinner wow. or whatever. You're quite beautiful. Shut up. But, okay, go ahead. But here's what's interesting. At the job for Georgie Sherman, Georgie Sherman was a tiny little man. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. He had this tiny squeaky voice, and we used to lean out the window and spy on Jack Webb. He'd go, let's see what Webb's wearing today. What's he uh, doing? And we accidentally dumped the entire briefcase on Webb's head one day. Nice. Um, Georgie Sherman gave me the original photographs of the Trotsky assassination. He'd been in Mexico City investigating the, the plot of a movie. <coughs> yes. And he said, why don't you write this story? And I became obsessed with the assassin the life of the assassin of Trotsky. <coughs> Louise, come sit here for a minute. I'm, <coughs> I'm choking. Okay? Tell Louise. Are you still on TV? This is like really weird. Talking about this stuff. Oh. Yeah, that's that's Vicky getting up and walking around. Okay, the, uh, the man who assassinated I feel like Trotsky. I'm talking too much. What was he? What were his motivations? Ramon Mercader. It was his mother. It was an Oedipal complex in a relationship with his mother, who sacrificed her son to Stalin to gain prestige in the Communist Party. Mm -hmm. She looked, she was the most beautiful woman. She was a guerrilla fighter at the front against Franco. So she was... Um, was she a Spanish? No, she was, she was a Cuban Spanish national. She was a Spanish national. Her son... No, she was a Cuban, a Cuban woman. Yeah. They posed oh, as Spaniards. Yeah. Okay. It's you. a long, complicated story. Yeah. So I started I'm writing this book. Okay? Yeah, I, I'm having this allergy thing, and I just I felt it in my throat. And is I was it like, this right. stuff? I don't, no, I don't know what it. No, this is something else. Talcum powder. Yeah, yeah. So to make a long story short, uh -huh. I'm writing this book with this producer at Drug yeah. Web. I'm getting paid to work there, and we're casting a movie starring Mark Harmon, Leslie Nielsen, and Lana Turner, called Little Mo. By the way, last week Jim Beaver was saying that Mark Harmon is one of his favorite people on the planet. Yes, line. he was. I love Mark Harmon. He's my um, we both have the same godmother. We did. Gail Patrick Jackson, who wrote The Perry Mason Show. Wow. This is very weird. So I'm sitting in the office at Jack Webb mm -hmm. upstairs, and a young copy boy comes in to do the Xerox copying, and he's always sitting waiting for me to give him stuff to deliver around the studio. His name's Linwood Boomer. He created Malcolm in the Middle. Wait a minute. He went on Malcolm in the Middle yeah. was, um, who was just here with Malcolm in the Middle credit? We just had somebody in the list. Is Linwood Boomer the guy who was on Little House on the Prairie? Yes, and he was the blood. So he and I both hadn't acted yet. Okay. We both tell each other our dreams. He's sitting there going, I want to be an actor too. And I went, I want to be an actress too. 
Oh, Doug Herzog was the producer yeah. of Malcolm in the Middle. He, okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. So this is Leonard Boomer, the mm -hmm. Zero Arts copy boy. I, though, this is later, of course, I get my series too close for comfort. He gets Little House on the Prairie. He's the blind preacher. Yeah, he marries Mary. Marries, um... Who? Right? Melissa Sue Anderson, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Mary Ingalls. He's an actor, and then he and I do a love boat together where we're love interests together. Wow. And then he goes off to create Malcolm in the Middle. It's his show. Okay, Doug Herzog is the one who greenlit Malcolm in the Middle is what that was. Okay, when he was a, he was the studio head at Fox when that when Malcolm in the Middle came out. Okay. Go. So this was a cool office to work in because I'm sitting there behind a desk and in comes Lana Turner. Wow. Oh my God. And we're doing hair colors on her. She had to do her hair dark to play the mother of Glynis O'Connor in the movie Little Mo, which mm -hmm. was about the tennis great Little Mo. Maureen Connolly. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we cast that movie with Leslie Nielsen, Mark Harmon, Lana Turner, and Glynis O'Connor. Cool. And I was the producer. I was the producer's assistant on wow. that. Wow. And Mark Harmon sat with me every day, too, and we discovered we had the same godmother. Crazy. And we were friends from way back. So then suddenly one day, I get called for an audition. Ringy, ringy, ring, one ringy ding. <laughs> now wait, why are they calling you for an audition? Because that's not what your role is there. No, but I had secretly been. You'd been manifesting a lot of producers. Did you talk about what your How dream did I was? The, how did I get? Oh, oh, oh! Here's what happened. I um, only to Linwood Boomer and secretly. It was kind of a secret. I didn't want anyone to know. I was wanted to be an actress, mm -hmm. but they probably assumed, you know. If you're coming to Yeah, Hollywood. a gorgeous girl who's working <laughs> in the studio wants to be an actress. Of course yeah. you do. Makes yeah. good sense. Samuel Goldwyn Studios had a lot going on. Barnaby Jones was on the lot. Mm -hmm. Lucille Ball and Burt Reynolds each had wow. their production companies wow. there. Mm -hmm. And I kind of sneaked around and kept putting out my, my resume under doors. Mm -hmm. ah. I don't know if I had headshots at the time. But I did have a boyfriend back then who took pictures of me on the roof somewhere. And <laughs> I submitted it to the Academy Players Directory. And he was a big... You know how that white powder stuff was real popular back mm -hmm. in those days? People were doing it at Carlos and Charlie's Out Loud. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, that picture was submitted to the Academy Players Directory. I got a call from Joyce Selznick at ABC. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I ran into some people at a party who managed Michael J. Fox, who was playing a 12-year-old on a series called Palmerstown USA, and he was 21. Wow. They said, we want to manage you. Bernie and Suzanne Lacks, they managed Michael J. Fox. Me, Tracy Bregman, and they signed me up right away. I signed without reading the contract. It said 20% for life. What? what? <laughs> and they signed you up based on this? Just my, just my headshot. Because they, and then unbeknownst to me, they'd gotten calls from Joyce Selznick from ABC saying, it was some mix up on who, there was a fight over who discovered me for the Too Close for Comfort pilot. Okay. But... I went on three failed pilots before Too Close for Comfort. One was called Ladies Man for CBS. Mm -hmm. Didn't get it. One was called Blue Jeans for, was it uh, Larry Gordon or was it someone named Larry Gordon? He was a prominent ABC producer, very handsome. I went and I thought I did the best audition ever and I was just so into the role and I was passionate and I didn't get it and it was crushing me. Mm -hmm. And it was a god shot because the only one if you're signed up for one pilot, you can't, do, you the can't do the other pilot audition. And luckily those two failed and the third one was too close for comfort. And I got it and I signed seven years of my life away. But the audition was hilarious. Why, how so? So I'm, I'm called into this pilot audition at Met and this was over at um, Metromedia. No, it was at KTLA at the time. Ah. 
And I, I take a bus. I don't have a car yet. I love it. I'm back from Holland. The dad had died. I had this strange job for a while. The job was before I went to Holland, came back at Jack Webb. So I'm wearing um, kind of a fall to add, add more hair because my hair, I bleached out my hair too much. It was breaking off. And I'm wearing a leather sweater, a cheerleader sweater, mm -hmm. skin tight jeans, and I'm racing and it's raining in LA. I get there bedraggled and I'm 30 minutes late. Nice, that's a good first impression. And they say, the secretary said, too late. They've already seen all the girls for today. Mm -hmm. They're wrapping up. And Artie Sultan comes out and he looks at me and goes, oh, let her read. She looks the part. And I go wow. in and the lines are this. I go, there's a line in the script that says, in case you haven't noticed, we're two very sophisticated young women. So there, and it says Sarah gives dad a raspberry. I love that she remembers this. I love this. Yes. Sarah, who else remembers it? So I go, <laughs> Sarah gives dad a raspberry. So I pick up an imaginary raspberry. I go, so there. <laughs> and Artie Sultan goes, what the, what the, <laughs> what the, <laughs> what the, <laughs> raspberry. what the F are you giving me here? And Tom Warner's in the room and Bob Stolfi and all these producers. And they go, what is this? And I go, I'm giving dad a raspberry. And they go, oh my God, this is perfect. You don't know what a raspberry is? <laughs> It's a Bronx cheer. It's like, that's, a, you know, and they all yes. did it together and they, and they went, oh, and I went, oh, I, and they go, she's perfect for the part. <laughs> oh, I love this. And they said, how, what? And Artie just stretched and he looked at me up and down. He goes, can you be at ABC Network tomorrow morning, like to the Tony Thomopoulos office at Schubert Theater and you're going to read for the final callbacks. And I went, okay. And I went wearing a virginal white dress and all the other girls, there were four other callbacks. They were wearing skin tight, nipples showing, cutoffs, like oversexed. And I came looking like a virgin. And I read with Ted Knight, and they all just cheered and laughed and laughed. And all I remember was, you got the part Ooh. on the spot. Wow. In the, in the executive offices. And so they said, Tony Thomopoulos, and they all got up and they said, we never do this. Arnie, they went out and they talked, they came back and they go, we never do this. We want you to know you have the part. We're going to call your agent right now. And Did you have an agent? Here's the God shot. Okay. I had this, the laxes. You had, were they managers or agents? Managers. Okay. And yeah. then I had Gersh, Bobby Gersh. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, that's pretty. I forgot. They put me okay. Gersh. And Peter Benedek, who now is head of UTA, owns UTA. Mm -hmm. He was my lawyer. Okay. So I, hi, Peter. I was just at UTA for Phil, Phil Rosenthal's, um, oh, somebody, Phil. Phil, Phil it, they had a screening at UTA Thursday. I was there with my daughter. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, cool. So it's, here's the God shot yes. of, to, to, to break all. My first real cool thing, Deborah von Valkenberg plays my sister. She was already cast as Jackie, and she was standing there. I read with her for mm -hmm. a few scenes. She comes up, she goes, what is your real name? And I went, well, it's Korniloff, K-O-R-N-I-L-O-F-F, Korniloff. My dad calls it Korniloff, but I have to find another name. It's too long. Nobody would understand that name. I hated my long Russian name. Mm -hmm. She goes, Korniloff? What's your dad's name? I go, Gregory. She goes... I work for a Gregory Korniloff in New York City for, for Interpol. It's an Interpool. It's a shipping company. She telexes him in Holland. And I went, that's my dad. Oh, my God. Deborah von Valkenberg works, worked for my father. That's wow. crazy. She was doing hair on Broadway wow. and different Broadway stuff and working. That's crazy. Now that's that's I love synchronicity. That stuff. Yes, yeah. I love that yeah. stuff. So Deborah and I now are... I put cast her in the movie Venus Conspiracy, the short. She is the most brilliant, funny actress on earth. Bless you. 
Wait, so now how does it become Lydia Cornell? How does that, in time I just, for... At the, the, on the spot, I had to come up with a name. And I said Cornell with a K. And then I realized we have a Cornell in our family. Mm -hmm. And then I forgot, I should have used Harriet Beecher Stowe. My grandfather's Henry Ward Beecher Stowe. So I could have been Lydia Stowe, but no, I chose Lydia, Cornell. Yeah, that works. Okay, so you chose it on the spot. You're okay, how soon does your life change? Well, that day I went to my ex-boyfriend, the one who was growing Freebase crystals, and I bought something I shouldn't have bought, and the whole day I worried about it, so I threw it out the window. <laughs> I spent a huge amount of money on something that was An, an illegal wrong. substance? <laughs> yes. yes. And then from that day on, I just went to work happy. It was the most fun I've ever had in my life. They were on my case a lot. It was a lot of... How so? Painful things going on. Um, my managers, unbeknownst to me, were trying to get more money for me. Okay. And I didn't know that. And I would never <laughs> have allowed them to negotiate. But everyone thought I wanted more money. And, mm -hmm. they, and it was just a tense situation. Uh-huh. That's a whole other chapter. Okay. I'm talk about it right now. But. So, okay. So, but when oh, Stan, Don Tapner had just gone through Suzanne Summers. Leaving her show, uh, the whole threes company, and they thing. produced our show too. Oh. And they go, we don't want Lydia to. We're not going to let Lydia know she's important. And the secretaries oh. used to hide my fan mail in oh a closet. They go, you get all this mail. We don't want you to have it. And they later told me that they hid the mail from me, so wow. Ted wouldn't get upset. This was all later. And I learned a lot later. Wow. And I also couldn't hire a publicist. Uh, Ted said, I don't want any name becoming bigger than mine. So one day I'm on the cover of the work with some big tabloid, and it says, and there's Princess Di in the corner, and I'm taking up the whole <laughs> cover. And Ted comes to work and he goes, I'm the star of the show, and he threw it at me. Oy. And we had so many, you know, I was like bowing down to him, I'll never make my, it was ABC was promoting me, with bikini posters, wow. you know, on all fours, with like, you know, these crazy bikinis and... So was it always, so was that working relationship always stressful, you and Ted? We had a very, very stressful relationship mm. the whole time. Love, hate. Okay. Because it was his show, and yeah. then ABC pushed me out there too much. Made, he liked it, it brought in the ratings, and then he didn't like it. Right. He didn't want us to have a spinoff. We had a spinoff that ABC wanted to do with the mm -hmm. two girls. And Ted put the kibosh on it. So... And I'll never forget, I came up with so many great ideas. There were these great writers uh -huh. who wrote Moonlighting. Oh. And they came to write on our show. Ron, mm -hmm. um, Jeff Reno and Ron Osborne. Mm -hmm. They were brilliant. And they ended up writing Moonlighting later, mm -hmm. but they came to our show first to pump up the jokes and work with the younger people. And they were so good that they, Ted didn't want us to have so many great shows about the girls, so they started bringing a baby in and all these other uh -huh. things to distract. And I'm just looking. What's going on here? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'd be sitting there going, hey, there was a scene where Ted wanted, they wanted to come up with a joke uh -huh. for this food on the ceiling, and Ted comes in with a pizza, and I go, hey, why don't you like hit the ceiling and have a meatball fall on the pizza? And they all... They all just sat there, glazed over eyes. No one heard me. And then five minutes, they heard me. Five minutes later, one writer says, why don't we have Ted come in and go like this and have a meatball and a pizza? And it was the men. It was Ted that came up with it. And nobody acknowledged that I came up with it. Right. This happened all the time. It was like, you're just the girl. 
Okay, so so your life had to change. I just looked at the time. We've been chatting forever, and we could go on forever. Are so we going to be yeah. too long? So so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna roll along now. Okay. Um. So so I'm assuming that your life changed drastically yeah. when when you're now a star. Yeah. Okay. So how how did your life change for better for worse? I was um, immediately looking for drugs to escape. No, I was looking for ways to stop. It was too hard. It was very hard to constantly be out in the red carpet. And I had a fiance already, right away. Okay. We moved in together immediately. He took care of me. He took care of all the business of carrying my purse on the red carpet and making sure I didn't drink too much. Okay. And going to all the parties. He was really was he, good. Did he love you or was he in it for the, for the fame? I hate to say that because I don't know if he's still yeah. around. Um, it wasn't a great relationship after a while. It was okay. mainly for those business reasons, I think. Okay. And I was sort of love struck into the, you know, we can leave Hollywood and go to Kentucky and just live on the farm. And so, what were your dreams beyond uh, Too Close to Comfort? What, what did you What did you envision for yourself after that? Being a writer director. Okay. And so mainly what? writing, getting the, the the Sylvia Plan sold this big book. Uh huh. Mike Ovitz took and they got I immediately had a literary agent for this book and then I got the series and I stopped and I couldn't finish the book and the book is now finished yay so it's many years later okay these creative dreams sometimes take forever so what happened after too close to come for comfort um we could do part two. This is a long interview. Okay. Well, well, all right. You know what? So instead, of, so, instead, no, so instead of going step by step through the career, let's get to the good. I did Curb so, Enthusiasm. I did, first of all, I did five love boats, three hotels, two, I did Hunter, Knight Rider, 18, Full House. So you're working. Every show you could name in the 90s up until 94 went on the Prince, Princess Grace Foundation in Monte Carlo, hung out with Prince Albert. I, I was all over the tabloids for crazy stuff. Okay. Then I wanted, I realized I was getting to the age where I needed to have a baby. <laughs> but biological clock is ticking. Yes. And I wanted a normal life. I wanted a white picket fence, normal life. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we were already being put out to pasture. If you're too, mm -hmm. if you're over 36, mm -hmm. your time is up. Mm -hmm. You know? That's kind of how it was in my day. And so were you okay? But you were okay with that because you wanted to have kids. I did want to have kids. Okay. Yeah. So you wanted to have kids, so you were okay with that. You had your babies. Now, are you trying to get back in? Yeah, but I want. Yes. When always. did when, when not to act as much as to write and create my own? Okay. My own stuff. Okay. So so let's cut to the chase. So if you had to give advice to someone who was, I wouldn't even say young necessarily, but just hasn't been able to live their dream yet. Mm -hmm. What are the tools that were most helpful to you? What, what, what works for you to manifest what matters to you? First, work on your inner life. Shed the need and the desperation to be famous. The need okay. to be famous mm -hmm. is a curse. It's very shallow, it's very hollow. It's the one thing that, I don't, I don't, I don't respect it because it's about and I was there at one time. I mm -hmm. thought, I'm just famous. Uh, they'll buy all my other work. And I'll work with really creative people. Well, that's a really good goal. Mm -hmm. But if you think you're just cute and pretty, don't come to Hollywood. And there's too many beautiful people here trying to make it. And the, the values are kind of screwed up. But if you have a driving passion, 
I was watching Caleb Landry Jones, Landry Jones, mm -hmm. and all these actors and all these three and all these independent films are, they, they use them all the time. Tracy Letts, mm -hmm. become a writer, write your own monologue. I did a monologue piece that I wrote, which was my form of stand-up comedy, and that was the best thing I ever did. And that got me everywhere after this, after I had a baby. Mm -hmm. That gave me, I think everyone needs to write their own story. Creating you really your own vehicle is definitely very powerful, especially now when there are all these avenues to get it up there. Yeah. Right? You can put it on YouTube. YouTube. You can put it on, yeah, there's all kinds of ways to... If you really want it, you'll be discovered um, by putting your work out there. If you look at Justin Bieber, mm -hmm. he put himself on YouTube, or he mm -hmm. was on a corner playing. You've got to put your work out there. No one's going to find you in an acting class, although I did take some great classes. I took with John Lynn Method. Mm -hmm. I was with Stella Adler for a while. Mm -hmm. I love her. Nina Foch. Um, so studying craft. Studying craft is wonderful. It's so much fun to be with other actors. Don't let competition get in the way. Create your own theater piece, your own play. I would do a monologue and write from your heart. And one of the best books on acting I've ever read is called Audition by Michael Shirtland. Yes. Mm -hmm. He teaches you to come always incorporate comedy, humor, not comedy, humor, and love into everything you do, including if you play a serial killer. If you watch Robert De Niro, or if you watch Harvey Keitel, if you watch um, Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> they're, they're, they're all not De Niro, thank God. But, but De Niro yeah. is always at a twinkle in his eye of humor behind. Mm -hmm. He can play a psychopath, but he's got a, a, a secret. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a way you can craft, you can make your work sing. And I think it's important as an actor to do improv. Like I worked with Larry David and it was just, be a good listener. Mm -hmm. I mean, we came up with stuff right on the spot that was hilarious. And I was just completely surrendered. I was so nervous to be working with Larry David. Mm -hmm. And I just went in going, please help me to the universe. And just listened really well. And everything he said, I kind of picked up on. Mm -hmm. And you being know. Being present, being in the moment. Being present. Okay, so let's talk about life. Before we go, let's talk about life lessons because you've got a lot of those. You've got a lot of recovery <laughs> under your belt, right? You have a lot of, you have a lot of spirituality. Uh, you have social conscience. You're an activist. So life lessons, what, um, what is valuable to you? What do you? When you wake up in the morning, what's your, what's, your, what's your mantra for the day? Oh, wow. What's your aspiration for the day? How can I stop being self, selfish, self-centered, and self-obsessed? <laughs> Don't look in the mirror too much. That's, I think you really get the wrong... You're not seeing yourself through the right lens. Mm -hmm. And make someone happy. Make someone else happy. Right now I'm taking care of my parents. Mm -hmm. I'm really lucky and blessed because I have them for, I don't know, how much longer? Mm -hmm. And I just lost my best friend on Christmas Eve, so mm -hmm. we never know how much time we have. But you have this one day. Seize it. Make this one moment count. Right now is all we have. And this present moment actually is what determines the next moment. Nothing in the past is going to help you get to the next moment. Regret is completely garbage. Don't ever look back unless it's to just help you learn a lesson. But I had a magical experience with a butterfly when I was grieving my marriage, mm -hmm. the loss of my marriage. And I came up with something. I let go. I was so in deep heartache over my marriage ending. And my husband leaving me and cheating on me, I, I, I suspected he was, I didn't know for sure. Mm -hmm. But I married a man 
that we both needed to heal the ancient wounds of our childhood. We both had abusive parents. So we met each other to kind of heal that, mm -hmm. right? So that, was, that marriage was good for that one thing. And mm -hmm. everything I've done in life, I look at the good in it, take the good. That's all that matters. The good remains in a, in a divorce, in a mm -hmm. marriage. Mm -hmm. There was good there. Mm -hmm. And try to turn it into comedy. But um, after the grieving process of this heartache, this burning heartache, when the house was empty and the kids were all gone for the summer and Paul was gone and my stepson moved out and I wasn't going to see him again, I went out and I sat in the, on the front lawn of our house and I just was grieving this marriage ending. And I looked up and I saw that I'm under a fig tree and I never noticed we had a fig tree before. And that fig tree had never had fruit on it in 10 years that we lived in that house. But by the end of that year of me working on myself, it was full of figs. It, my life had come to fruition and the books had been written and things I had put off for years to mm. escape from self. And I went to the zoo, I went and did an autistic charity event for, for kids in Del Mar, mm -hmm. and they gave me a gift to the San Diego Zoo. So I went and meandered to the zoo that day, still crying over my marriage ending, and I became so enamored of the orangutans, the peacocks. The peacock came over to me and opened his feathers, and I think he thought I was his girlfriend because I was wearing mm. blue. Mm. But it was like I was awestruck by this peacock. And I'd been dying to see a monarch butterfly mm -hmm. all summer. I'd never seen one in person. I go home that day and there's a monarch waiting for me at my front door on a rose. And I'm like, oh, I get it. The universe is interactive. It wants playmates. It wants to show off for us. But we're never present enough to, to appreciate what's right in front of us, like the people in front of us. I think that's the lesson. I think that's the takeaway today. Um, I love that, Lydia. I love that story. Stay I love friendly. all your stories. Thank They're you. fabulous. I wish we could, we could talk all night. Um, but we've been talking most of the we've night. We've been talking a lot. So we've Sorry. been talking a lot. So anyway, so thank you so much for doing I this. You. I adore you. She's beautiful. You. And uh, we're going to work on Love. less about this and more about this. Yeah, less and, looks. And, and more about giving um, and all of that. It looks three. What's that song from Chorus Line? But anyway, we're going to do less of that. And, um, Let's and take off our makeup next time we come together. Oh, sure. <laughs> next, week, next week we'll be doing the rotate with no makeup. No hair, no yeah. makeup. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, but next week, Michael Nori is going to be here. And uh, tonight, Michael oh is God. on Versace. Is on, uh, he's on the, the miniseries Versace, which is on tonight. American Horror Story Versace, yeah. And uh, for those of you who um, are from our time, uh, Flashdance! What a feeling! Oh, anyway, so that was the first time I saw Michael Nori. He is handsome and gorgeous and fabulous. I saw him recently. And anyway, he'll be with us next week. And we'll he's see you. Um, and Louise, thank you so much. Thank Sorry, you. Sorry uh, you weren't. We, we need to get you back on this side of the, of the thing. Yeah. That's why I'm fine here. Uh, anyway, um, thank you all for being here, and we'll see you next Wednesday on the road. Take it.